0: Recording. Hi YouTube. All right, and so uh, so bibliographical test is an examination of the textual documents. like I said, or a transmission about how we get those. So since we do not have the original documents of the Bible, like the actual ones, like that John wrote on, which would be pretty cool if we did, but we don't. Okay. We got to know how, how reliable are the copies that we do have in regard to the number of manuscripts and the time interval between the original and the other copies. They have, found the <laughs> they have not found any like that they actually wrote on, and so I mean, that's with any any of these books they have never found like the original one, and so so the test here is how how many copies like when it was written the earliest copy the time stay between like the original pen date the copies and how many copies that's how they determine you know the bibliographical test of a book, so here we go disintegrated disintegrated, burned I mean who knows I mean they were to a lot of people though, they were considered heretics and crazy and so a lot of some Jews may have burned the copies I mean I don't know I really don't I mean because I believe a lot of the New Testament they were a lot of them were letters written to certain groups of people um, so they, they could have by passing it around let anybody read it it could have fallen apart easily I mean, who knows so here's this is the first one we're going to look at here um so the first one, Caesar. Nobody uh, argues that Caesar wrote stuff. I mean, they know who Caesar was. He's in the he's you know he's all over history documents. And so nobody argues that he was real. So we have this is uh, I don't have the name of what it was, but he lived between 100. Should we write that whole graph thing down? Probably. Yeah. 144 BC is when his works were written. There is his copy that we have for him was 900 A.D. So he wrote in 144 B.C. and the earliest copy of his work is 900 A.D. which is a span of 1,000 years. It's a long time. Right? So this is how many copies we have of his work. Ten. Wow. Okay. You guys got that? Wait, say that one more time. I'm sorry. And so we have, he wrote, he wrote between 144 B.C. There are these copies we have of his work is 900 A D. So it was one thousand years b- between when he wrote and when the copy was made, and there are only ten copies that we have. So I wonder how I wonder how accurate the copies are to his original. Yeah, right? Did you have a question? Oh yeah, is that an O? Where? After the H. On oh, which one? That's an, an E. it wasn't an O, and then I've oh. I, I misspelled it, so I just yeah. Alright, so Plato. We've all heard of Plato. Brilliant man. Um, this is, the book that he wrote was called Tetralogies. I don't really know. i could I don't know. probably not saying that correct. But Tetralogies is the name of the book. He wrote, um, even before Caesar, Wait, let me make sure I have it right, 427 to 347 B.C. So that was a long time ago, correct? Yes. The earliest copy we have for his stuff, 900 A.D. Oh, wait, is that right? Yeah. So that's 1,200 years, even more. And the number of copies we have for Plato, seven. Uh, Pliny the Younger, he, was, uh, he wrote a lot of history stuff. He, he wrote between 61 and 113 A.D. The earliest copy we have of his stuff um, was eight fifty A.D., which is a, a time span of seven hundred fifty years. So that's better, right? Who is that? This is Pliny the Younger. He wrote some history. I mean, that's what his book was called. Was called History. So we there are seven hundred fifty years, and again we have seven copies. And then we I have uh, Herodotus. Um, he wrote, again, history stuff as well. He lived from 480 to 425 B.C. The earliest copy we have of his, again, 900 A.D. Somebody got really busy 900 A.D. apparently. Just wanted to write everything down. So that was 1,300 years, the longest time span so far. And his copies, we have eight copies of his work. Bless you, I think. I don't really know. Um, Sophocles was 496 to 406 B.C. He, uh, The earliest copy was 1000 A.D., which was 1,400 years from between the time that he wrote and the time we have a copy, the earliest copy. But we do have quite a few of his copies. We have 193. That's I mean that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of copies correct yeah, yeah. compared to the other yeah whoa so we have then we have Euripides was 480 to 406 I wonder if he died at the same time Sophocles died I don't know and uh, so his first copy was 1100 AD which puts him at uh, 1,500 years, that's the most years. And then we have nine copies is all we have for him. So you may be like, what's the point of all this? It just seems like a bunch of stupid numbers. What I'm trying to show you is, is the reliability of the copies and the manuscripts that we have. This, this is comparing all these things that we know to be true. That These people know they wrote them. Nobody questions that. And people always question the reliability of the Bible. And so we're going to get to the New Testament here in, in a few minutes and show you the difference between the written when it was written, the earliest copy, time span, and the number of copies. All right, so Aristotle, I mean, we all know that dude. Smart guy. 384 to 322 B.C. Again, like I said, we don't question anything that he wrote. We know that he wrote it. Nobody doubts those things. 384 to 322. Sorry, they kind of blurred together. 1100 A.D. is uh, the earliest copy we have of his, which is 1400 years, which gives us... And he has 49... 49 copies. Aristophanes, another Greek philosopher, was 450 to 385 B.C. And 450. He actually had, his stuff was written in 900 A.D. So again, somebody in 900 A.D. was busy writing things down. So that's 1,200 years. And he has a whopping 10 copies for his. Before we get into Homer's Iliad and the New Testament, let me share a couple more things with you guys. Um, The Iliad... I mean, have you guys ever read that story or watched, like, the Odyssey and stuff? No, I've never um, really read parts it. I've read part of it for a project. And so, I mean, so but we, we're somewhat, I mean, we at least know the story. At least, I mean, I've heard of the story, maybe. Um, what is it? It's <laughs> about Odysseus trying to get home from the Trojan horse. Yes. So the story of the Trojan horse, Achilles, all that stuff comes from this story. All right. So, next in the New Testament, there are more manuscript copies of the Iliad than any other book. Uh, Both the Iliad and the Bible were considered sacred and both underwent textual changes and criticism of the Greek manuscripts. Um, The New Testament has about 20,000 lines in it. Uh, The Iliad has about 15,600 lines. Only 40 lines or 400 words of of the New Testament are in doubt. Like what? what's you know? What, maybe it's messed up in the manuscript or whatever. It's only 400 words, or 40 lines in the Iliad. There's 764 lines that are in doubt. Um, so this five percent textual corruption compares with one half of one percent of the New Testament. So nobody doubts the Iliad that he wrote it, so, but people always can doubt what, that the New Testament is written in, and those kind of things. So here's um, the numbers for Homer's Iliad. So this was written in 900 BC. So it's written the oh, oldest book.
1: The earliest <laughs>
0: copy is 400 BC. Oh, did you oh. mess up? Well, yeah, yeah I did. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So 400 BC, so that's that's the time span of what? 500 years. 500, 500 years. That's the, that's the shortest time span, correct? Mm-hmm. Only 500, that's okay. Right? That's the shortest time span we have so far. And most copies. Number of copies? 643. Wow. And that's a lot of copies. Yeah. Right? Totally Old testament. To Five hundred years. Five hundred years. Chicken horse is a twelve. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ch- Whatever. All right. <laughs> the New Testament is written between forty and one hundred A.D. I think Mark was written about forty, and John, I mean, Revelation was written probably about ninety, ninety-five, somewhere around there. So the earliest copy was one hundred and twenty-five A.D. As a time span of what? 25 years, right? 25 years, okay. Did it right. And so we see 25 years. And the next closest is 500 years. Here's the number of copies. Uh, it's still growing though. Good. 24,000 plus copies of the Bible or of the New Testament. Yeah, that bad, 25 years. Yeah. 25 years. The purpose of this was not just to. Bore you with some numbers, but to show you the, the bibliographical test of how the Bible stacks up compared to other books of antiquity. I um, said so this is not trying to show you the um, inspiration of the Bible. The Bible the word of God, but it's to show you compared to other books how it stacks up. I um, said so if we're going to all text, all ancient literature needs to be compared to these uh, these books or the, to this this scrutiny. So that's what I did. Um, so since scholars accept as generally trustworthy the writings of the ancient classics like all those that we already looked at um, even though the earliest manuscripts were written so much later than the original copies uh, so it is clear that the reliability of the New Testament is likewise assured. I mean just look at i mean, the numbers for the, the New Testament are just so much different. I mean right? 25 years, 24,000 plus copies. Like I said the next best is Homer's Iliad 500 year difference and only 643 copies. So, like this was just to show you the, the reliability of the Bible from the bibliographical standpoint. There's also the, the manuscript reliability um, supported by early church fathers. These are the guys who wrote and, and lived shortly after uh, the church started. The, the quotations of the scripture, the New Testament... Um, and the works of the early church fathers uh, are so extensive that the New Testament can virtually be re- reconstructed from them without the original New Testament manuscript. So what I mean by that is all the works of the church fathers—the early guys that started, like, kind of helped keep Christianity going, like in you know 80, 125, those kind of things—all of their works, all the things they write about—if you took all their, just you know, took away the New Testament that we have, the copies, and you've relied solely on their words. We could make up the entire New Testament based on what they wrote about. So, I mean, those guys lived shortly after Jesus lived, within 100 years. And they still had all the New Testament. And able to tell people about it. It's, it's crazy. And so we have also other guys that were other church fathers that wrote these things that were pretty close associated with people that were associated with, with Jesus. Um, Clement of Rome is a, one of the church fathers. He was a disciple of the apostles. The apostles are who? Yeah, John, basically I'm mean, the the disciples. Jesus, 12 disciples that he had, minus Judas, because he was hanging out, minus him. And so the other 11 guys, so Clement was a disciple of those guys. And so he had like first-hand knowledge of Jesus, right? I mean, And back then, like I said, when, when, when Brad was here, when we had that crazy guy that wore the hat and the beanie. So awesome. um, when he was here, I mean, we talked about what a disciple's job was. Their job was, one of the things was to learn, memorize every word the teacher spoke. And so Clement of Rome knew Jesus' words because he was a disciple who was a disciple of Jesus, you know. Uh, Another guy, Tertullian, he was appointed by Peter. Peter, of course, was like Jesus' right-hand man. Uh, Irenaeus, another early church father, he quoted from Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter, Hebrews, and Titus. What was the first guy's name? Clement. 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 Ignatius, another early church father. Um, A lot of these guys were killed because of their belief in Christianity. Out there. Ignatius quoted from many books of the Bible. He quoted from Matthew, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, James, 1st 2nd Thessalonians, 1st 2nd Timothy, and 1st Peter. That one guy quoted from all those New Testament books within like 100 years after Jesus' death. It's crazy. Yes? <coughs> um, just like trying to do this and I'm listening to you but it's not registering like he quoted what he he, he wrote down a lot. Of, he, he has a lot of works himself that he wrote down, and a lot of what he said down, wrote down was straight from what we have as our New Testament. So, like, he, like what he was just being in the presence of God and just like doing Bible study. No, he had he had they had copies. Like I said, cause because there's so many copies, he had copies of the New Testament. What we have as our New Testament, and so he would quote directly from those teachings. So what, like God would speak to him and like he would write it. No, no, no. He, I mean, his works aren't inspired like the, the New Testament writers. Mm-hmm. He was quoting directly from the Bible because he had, or from the, what we call the Bible. So, did he read like? Yeah, he, he had copies. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, there's 24,000 copies. He had actual copies of First Peter and those kind. He actually had a copy probably in his library or but then whatever he would it was. Quote, like, some other book from it? Yeah, he quoted other parts of the New Testament. Yeah, and he quoted from, I mean, quite a big chunk of the New Testament. Well, I mean, a lot of these guys did. Um, Polycarp, another guy who, who was killed for his faith. He was a disciple of John. You know, so that's another big guy. What uh, was his name? Polycarp. P-O-L-Y-C-A-R-P. Clement of Alexandria, different Clement. Had 2,400 lines of writing, and he quoted from the entire New Testament except for three books. And so he had, I mean, he had copies of the New Testament. Um... Uh, Tertullian again, mentioned him a while ago. He quoted the New Testament more than 7,000 times with thirty hundred quotes specifically from the four Gospels. Those are just a few of the early church fathers and what they used of, of the Bible. It's just crazy how how widespread it was in such a very, very, very short time. Um, I won't write this down up there, but this is just uh, a few of the guys. Justin Martyr, he, uh, he quoted from the Gospels 268 times, from Acts 10 times, the Pauline, or Paul, letters 43 times, other letters 6 times, and Revelation 3 times, with 266 allusions to the, not a direct book, but allusions to it. Um, origin, uh, he, he quoted the Gospels 9,231 times, uh, Acts 349 times, Paul's letters 7,778 times, uh, the general letters, 399 times, and Revelation, 165 times, were a total of nearly 18,000 quotes from the New Testament. From one guy. He said he didn't live a whole lot past uh, Jesus. Hey, you know, or something? Um, I'm not sure how how he died. Um, but they did execute him? More than likely, yeah. I have a book in my office that has, it's called Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it's just a guy who collected a bunch of stories of early church guys and how they died for Christianity. So that's the bibliographical test, and I mean, it's, just, it's amazing just looking at it from that perspective and how reliable it is from an historical document. Does that make sense? Would you guys agree that it's it's reliable from this this test, correct? We just look at this. them. this. a reliable than anything else out there.
1: Yes, period.
0: You know, people don't, they probably don't have a clue this is even out there in this kind of test, which is why I'm teaching you guys. So you can say, hey, from, from a book standpoint, from a historical standpoint, this is so much better than the others. So, so now we have the internal test for reliability. Um, Aristotle wrote that the benefit of the doubt is to be given to the document itself. Not arrogated by the critic to himself. So what Aristotle is saying is the text must have the benefit of the doubt to being authentic. Uh, The critic just can't walk up to and say, I don't believe it's not true. It must be given the benefit of the doubt and then proven to be false. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so uh, what we have in the New Testament, they wrote as eyewitnesses on firsthand information. Um you have to write these down, but Luke 1, 1 through 3. 2 Peter 1 16, 1 John 1 3, Acts 2.22, 22, John 19.35, 35, Luke 3.1, Acts 26, 24 to 26, all talk about how they wrote from first-hand experience. I said, so that means that's that's just firsthand internal evidence that we have of the New Testament and its authenticity. Um, I and mean, that's just a I mean that's just a very brief part of the internal evidence test. The external evidence test, um, do other historical methods look at other external things outside the Bible. Do other historical materials confirm or deny the internal testimony provided by the documents themselves? So basically are things found in the Bible validated by things outside the Bible, other historians, those kind of things. And so you, uh, I'm going to take this guy down on how I say say He wrote on how Mark actually wrote down the things that Peter taught him so he he was there when Peter talked to Mark and Mark wrote down those things. He saw it all firsthand. Uh, Papias makes references to Matthew and how he wrote his gospel another guy outside of the church Irenaeus writes about John and the other three gospels and how common they were to people and how people saw them as trustworthy I mean like right away Ignatius he lived shortly after Jesus died he knew all the disciples personally and he heard their stories so this is a guy outside of the people who wrote the Bible Josephus anybody ever heard of Josephus he's probably the most famous Jewish historian or at this time, to kind of corroborate some of these things. Heard of him. I don't know what he did. He, he wrote history is what he did. Jewish history. So he, he's a Jewish historian. And he wrote about John the Baptist and about his beheading. And that's just one of the things he writes about that confirms the story of the Bible. Um, so those are just some a, a brief, small thing of the external evidence that we have of the Bible. And so between the, the bibliographical test, the internal evidence, and the external evidence, it's overwhelmingly... There, that the Bible is authentic, that it is reliable, it is trustworthy. And the reason why I did this today, is so you can kind of know I mean, if we're going to be talking about Christianity and other religions, we must know what makes this truth. Right? That makes sense? So that's what this was for. Uh, some of you guys, hopefully, you guys weren't completely bored of tears because of it, but it's important that we understand this stuff and know these things um, to be able to, uh, to tell other people hey, it's not just a book. So much more than that, you know. So, uh, real quick, um, we have a little bit of time. Um, we're gonna do that uh, I need you guys to write this down. This is part of this is that soap assignment I told you guys about. Um, we're gonna learn how to do that real quick. So write soap. Yeah, well, let me. Show, yeah, do it like this. You have soap, and then within the O, yeah, very small space. Make it look like that. I said, so this is, going to be, this is going to be one of your assignments that you're going to be doing. Those, This is when you study the Bible. You pick out a verse. Um, like when you do your, your daily Bible reading plan, you'll pick out a verse from it. Do we need to write space like that? Or just yes, just like, like that, yes. And yes. So you, we need to write the word space. Write it just like that, yes, because you're going to be writing other things next to it. Because it's all an acronym. Soaps an acronym, and then space is an acronym. Oh, okay. okay. So, um, so, so when you do your the Bible reading plan, pick out a verse that really shows that just jumps out at you for whatever reason. Um, don't just pick one that says like, you know, and they herded the cattle into the pen. I don't. I want something with some substance when you do these assignments. Um. You know, if, if you guys noticed, in 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 Verse in Genesis one one it talks about God and Genesis one two talks about the Spirit interchangeably. So there's the first mention of the Trinity, God, Son, Holy Spirit in Genesis one, verse two. Later on, multiple times in Genesis, when God's in there and he goes, Let us make man in our image. Did you guys notice that when you read that yes, last night? Yes. Let us make man in I mean who's he talking to? It's pretty cool. So he so wasn't talking to the angels, because they weren't made in we weren't made in the angel's image. Right? We're made in God's image. So God's talking to somebody. I mean, uh, it's cool. Can I do something of, Like, I really wonder what the angels look like. Because I don't actually believe that they're, like, little babies with but naked butts. No, babies. they're not. You know, because, like, in the Bible, it says that, like, when an angel appeared, that they had fear. You know, so, like, I'm pretty sure a little yeah, like, like, naked s- butt baby. Look at Revelation <laughs> and, and and Isaiah and stuff. They have, like, six wings to fly. Cover their eyes. Cover their feet. Well, that's, those are the ones that are in. Actually, if they're with God six wings things to cover their eyes and their feet. They have they have six wings two to fly with, two to cover their eyes cuz so they can't so they don't see God's glory, and two to cover their feet because it's they're unholy. Why? Wait, because God is, is yeah. Is because God is awesome. So why that, can't that, we see him? Why can't we he's see God. him? He turned into a pillar of salt. Like it's too, too much to see. see. So what if we like the <laughs> Yeah. yeah. When die again? <laughs> and so I mean just I mean we' why do they cover their because 'Cause they're unholy. they're unholy. I mean if you look at that when when uh Moses well, met the back burning back bush, down. you know. Yeah. He made him take off his shoes because it was holy ground he was on. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that are in like in Isaiah chapter six where they're actually in the throne room of God. Kind of thing. Um we'll talk to we we'll, are gonna learn about angels this this semester, so we'll yeah. get, we'll cover those. Um Alright, so soap. This is what it is. Alright. S is for scripture. So you can write write that down. S is for scripture. Like I said, this is wherever you take wherever your daily Bible reading plan. Bible? Your daily Bible reading plan. Bible. <laughs> Bible. Your daily Bible reading plan. Um, read through it slowly. Read the entire thing slowly. And like I said, pick out a verse that uh, jumps out at you for whatever reason this open, do you? Every day? Not every day. This is going to be probably just four, maybe five, This nine weeks. Um, I'll let you know beforehand to do it. I'm a... I'll let you know beforehand to do Yeah, it I'll let day. you know like, I'll say like on Monday, I'll say, alright, Thursday morning I need to turn in your soap plan for Wednesday nights or Wednesdays so we—so oh, okay. so we so I can do it on here? No, you don't have. I would like this is this is to help you guys learn the Bible, not just read it, but actually learn something. Oh, so, so I can you can, do you it can tell together. us when we have to do something so we can? We'll turn, turn, it, turn in. it in, but I'd like for you to do this period on your own. I mean, I'm not. Like, there's no grade for that part. For every day, I, I'm doing this so maybe you can have a chance to, to see the Bible a different way than just reading. This is for personal growth in the Bible. Like I said, there will be a couple times when I do requirement. We to see if you're doing, if you're understanding correctly, that kind of stuff. So if you do it, turn it in. It's pretty much a free hundred. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right. Um, so the O is observe. This is when you ask a questions. What is God showing you in this passage? Uh, just start, jot down in your journal, whatever you want to write on. Uh, any words or events that stand out? Are there any truths that God wants you to learn? Warnings, commands, uh, guiding principles, those kind of things. Write those things down. Now if we go to space, this is something to do within the observe part. The S is sin to confess. Is there some sin in my life that this passage brought out that I need to confess uh, to God? I mean, he knows it. It's my tell telling me. Because we're all sinners. If you don't believe me, just, sorry, but we don't. I am too. Ooh. Sin to confess. P is promise to claim. Is there a promise in the passage that is from God to you? Something that God says that we know is going to happen because He is God. It's going to come to pass. And A, an attitude to change. We have no problem with that here, do we? No problem to change our attitude. Attitude to change. This verse prompts some sort of attitude change in our life. The C, is there a command to obey? Is there something in this passage that God is telling us uh, a, a command or directed to to obey what he says like when you come across the ten commandments that one that part's pretty easy. e example to follow Jesus. is there an example from this passage uh, that we can follow that, learn from them whether good whether they did something good <coughs> or something bad we don't you know. In the good don't eat the fruit yeah stupid people <laughs> so that's that's uh these, are, these aren't all the questions to ask when you observe. There's all kinds of questions you can ask in the passage, but these are just some guiding ones for you guys to do. The A is apply. Uh, this is when it gets personal. How does this passage affect you? Here, hear me now. Don't ever go to a passage and say, all right, well, God, do you, what does this mean to me? Far too often we ask that question in the Bible, what does the Bible mean to me, when the Bible was, written, was not written to you, like personally. We have to know the context of the Bible. Who was written for? Who was written to? And and seek that first, and then there'll be something God will show us. Um, you don't seek for the for things that aren't really there. Does that make sense? Yes. Or am I confusing you, guess. I mean, because like I so said, a lot of times we, we try to read the Bible, and it's good that we want to hear something and get something from it. Then that should be our first question: should be what is God showing? You know, what is God speaking to me? Because it's the context was written back differently than we live in today. Um, so I understand the context if you guys read a passage you're like what is going on here I have no idea ask me I will do my best to fill you in the context of what's happening in that time uh-huh. so it sounds almost her- heretical to say don't ask God what it means to you but it makes sense the last one is pray write down a little prayer uh, what it is if it's something up here, use those things from space um, ask God to help you apply what you learn, those kind of things. So, that's what your assignment's going to use, and when you do those, um, that, that soap si- soap plan assignment, three or four times. Um, plus, this is good just to do your. Uh, you it, yeah. Don't touch it. It's the most poisonous spider in the world. Oh, whatever. The mouth is just thrown by you. I really don't care. Can what I kill it, it? please? Whatever. Please, please. Quick! <laughs> You're nasty. <laughs> Throw your hand. Alright And so this is One yes it's an assignment But two It's something that you guys Should do On a daily basis Because I mean it, it helps you guys Understand the Bible And allow God to show you And speak something to you And so like I said So the kids in my youth group They've been Some of them have been doing this All summer long And, and have continued every day They'll text me Hey this is what I read today This is what God showed me um, It's really cool to see that as, as a youth pastor So Do you guys have any Thoughts or questions About any of this stuff? Yes What is your question? I'm not gonna read to everybody. I'm not gonna. It's,